The first cell phone was demonstrated in 1973 by Martin Cooper. You know what wasn't demonstrated? Shared plans. Over 50 years later, you can save on one line thanks to Visible. When you switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible, you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees. No, really. You can look around for them. They're not there. Switch now at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. And hello and welcome once again to IGN's weekly PlayStation show. This is episode 836. Uh, I'm joined by my good friends, Brian Altano, Travis Northup, and Akeem Lawanson. Beyond, hello, everybody. I'm doing great so far. <laughs> How's it going? Porky Pig is in the house. How you doing, I, Max? I'm doing okay. Brian and I had like a long running a debate about whether or not Porky Pig is, a ho- is the host of Looney Tunes, which is like... <laughs> Of, I, co- of I, course he is. He says yeah. he says that's all. He's the one that ends the shows. That's, that's right. Brian's argument. You know? That's Brian's argument for that. <laughs> and I don't, I don't know. Yeah. He doesn't do an opening though. And he doesn't show up in like in doing interstitials. Well, he doesn't go up like that, 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 that was Kevin Le Pew. He's but, not uh, Alfred Hitchcock. He doesn't have to do that. He just ends the show. That's it. The opening is the Maybe. logo. Like that's it's the Looney Tunes logo yeah. that comes in, and then by the end so, he's he's at the end and he closes it. But he's also yeah, so in he it would just be the closer, right? Yeah. The, yeah, that's such a weird. I don't. Yeah. Anyway, this is a show about PlayStation. <laughs> there is stuff to talk about in relation to PlayStation. Uh, the big thing going on right now uh, is that Xbox first party exclusive games are presumably going to be coming to other platforms. I want to talk about that in a second. Uh, there's also games that came out, which is very exciting. The last two weeks we had big old state of plays, which are always fun to get excited about. But it's also kind of nice to have, um, you know, some big old, big old juicy games to sink our teeth into. Helldivers 2 is a big one right now. A lot of people are having a very good time with that. Uh, Travis, you're also playing Skull and Bones. Brian, you're actually playing Yakuza. I am. You know, like like a dragon, if it wealth. I want to touch on all that stuff, um, but we should definitely talk about the the Xbox thing. Um, this was sort of a big, huge story last week. A lot of people got really worked up about it. I don't mean to chuckle at their at their despair or anything. Um, obviously, you know, there's a there's a diehard Xbox community, and I understand the mentality of like, you know, you invest in this ecosystem. On, under the assumption that there's a certain level of exclusivity to it. Like, you know, you, you get first-party games on that platform only. That's why you're there. And then hearing uh, rumblings that these first-party games are going to trickle out elsewhere, uh, there's a certain sense of, I don't know, buyer's remorse that comes with that. Yeah. Um, the big the big buzz going around right now, there were some stories that, I again, are, are like still either unconfirmed or people are like, no, that was actually not accurate. But there's talk that maybe Starfield and Indiana Jones and the Great Circle will be coming to other platforms shortly after coming at, you know, shortly after, you know, I guess Starfield's already out, but like Indiana Jones would come to PlayStation presumably a few months after it hits, hits Xbox. Uh, there's also talk of Sea of Thieves, which is, I feel like as far as these things go, not that surprising because it is like a big, you know, it's like a big online games as a service ecosystem type of thing. 
there's also Hi-Fi Rush and Pentiment are apparently two that are coming to other platforms, which I get, you know, I feel like mm -hmm. those were very critically acclaimed, but probably didn't really sell a ton of copies because they were both on Game Pass and putting them out there for people to buy kind of makes sense. Um, but we should talk about this because a lot of people are mad at Xbox for this. Uh, Phil Spencer said, we're listening and we hear you. We've been planning a business update for next week. This was last week. He said that where we look forward to sharing more details with you about our vision for the future of Xbox. Stay tuned. Uh, this, this messaging is going to come by way of the official Xbox podcast in audio form. Uh, tomorrow we'll have a full update about that, but it's not going to be presented as like an Xbox direct being like Xbox is now coming out for everything. Xbox for switch Xbox for PlayStation. I think it's going to be sort of a conversation about their, their business practices. Um, Ryan, what do you, what do you think about this? Uh, I understand why people are upset about this because there are a lot of people that, um, like Max said, invested in the Xbox ecosystem. And with that comes, um, I, I will say like the extremes are there's fanboyism, obviously, which is people who go into the, you know, the trenches of the console war. And I think that there's a thing there where they're like, I don't want anyone to have the thing we have, right? The thing that defines our box is these experiences. And if other people can have them, um, then I'm mad that I bought this thing or I'm mad that they have them. There's, there's emotion attached to it. Um, which is difficult because like video games have always been this weird intersection of art and business. I and mean, we've talked about that before. Um, but Xbox's philosophy has been very overtly like we want people to play our games everywhere. Like I think that like they will be the first moving away from the consoles, uh, the idea of what a console is and sort of like a, sc a screen is anything you want. Um, like it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me to be super worried about that just yet. I think the bigger implications are obviously like, you know, in terms of ownership, like we might lose the idea of like what it is to own a video game. Um, that's a bigger conversation. I think everybody's sort of moving in that direction. What I think is fascinating is, and I tweeted about this, is that amidst all of this controversy, uh, PlayStation launched Helldivers on PC, day and date as PS5, and it's their biggest launch in PC history destroyed all of the other games they've ever done. Um, a lot of their game launches have been staggered. They've done some like sort of, you know, asymmetric multiplayer stuff where it launches on two platforms at once. But like, there's very clearly a business opportunity to extend your first party software to ecosystems outside of just the base console that it was it was built to play on, right? Now, now not every studio can do that because that's expensive. But I think it's like with the Xbox stuff, we got like a lot of hyperbole and a lot of emotions. People were saying like Gears of War is coming. And then yesterday it was like Pentiment and Hi-Fi Rush. And it's like, okay, well, you know, are we okay with that? Like what's the, what is the issue here that we're losing something as an exclusive to a console? Is it that someone else is getting something? Like is the, is the problem sharing? Or is it the problem that Sony doesn't do any of this at all and neither does Nintendo, right? Sony and Nintendo are not interested in, especially Nintendo, is not even bothering with PC, right? That's got to be just, some of it. I, I yeah. think there is that that feeling of like, and this is, you know, this this is sort of the root of a lot of kind of gatekeeping attitude is like, you know, if you spend, if, you, if, you're, if you're with a thing through the, through the hard times, you know, you want to, you want to sort of, you feel like you got to, you got to sort of chip on your shoulder when it's, when they're in the, the good times, you know, like, yeah. There's a if you, if you're the person who you know you, you sat patiently waiting for Xbox to put out some put out some you know cool first party games you're sitting there being like well you know we're getting some third party stuff but I really wish they'd get that put put out some games already and like you know they're they're finally doing that but then they're also like but they're gonna come to everything and it's just like well what 
what's the reward yeah. for you know standing you know standing by and being like a faithful supporter during you know during the sort of the crappy parts no totally and, and like yeah. i get that i think it's um it's it's difficult right like i said it's a business and like by by the accounts that we know and and uh xbox hasn't reported on like actual hard data for console sales in a very long time but we've heard reports that it's like being outsold by ps5 two to one right so in a situation like that and you can obviously you know assume that the the switch is doing extremely well nintendo is you know has been consistently selling tens of millions of that that, that system since what 2017 um Xbox has to do something, right? And this is where it makes me hypocritical because when I turn on my Xbox, which I do constantly, um, I go to Game Pass and I'm like, what's here? And I'm not necessarily like, I don't really care who made it. It's the same way I treat Netflix, right? I'm not like, oh man, I haven't gotten a good Netflix original movie in a while. Like, I don't really give a shit what studio is making the movies on Netflix. I just want good new movies to be there. From no matter where they're from uh, my exp my relationship with game pass is the same way whereas on playstation like i'm expecting more from their first parties um and i want these yep. big you know narrative driven third person sad dad games and i love them and they come out every five six years and they're great and they revolutionize cinematic cutscenes and gameplay and action and scavenging or whatever Squeeze like they do all that stuff probably. slowly yeah do, yeah do, exactly. do, do, do any of us uh, remember what the temperature check was on the audience when when we found out that uh, uh, Insomniac was going to put Spider-Man on on PC? Like, what what was the what 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 was the the climate? Because you know th this was a, a PlayStation exclusive for for a while, and then you know it was announced that this was coming out on on PC. I'm kind of curious yeah. what what the audience was like. I feel like it was very similar to what it was uh, we're experiencing yeah. right now. It was split in Basically. three distinct camps. One. There were people that were like, well, that's it. why did I buy a PS5? Because mm -hmm. it's going to look so much better or a PS4. It's going to look so much better on PC. Two, people who were like, I'm really excited. And three, people who were like, I get to play this game as Waluigi. This is amazing. <laughs> right, exactly. Like yeah. there, there were the bad insane people like me that were like, oh, we're going to get the most craziest mods out of this. I'm not too precious about where the games go. But yeah, I think that, that there is, you know, the conversation around this is the fact that one company is willing to take these risks and put their games on multiple platforms. Uh, the other one, Sony, is sort of, you know, frequently dipping a toe in that pond, but like they still haven't, they'll do it with multiplayer, but I don't see them being like The Last of Us 3 is on PS5 and PC day and date, right? Because right. there's a theory yep. there that like that would cannibalize console sales, right? But at the same time, Sony's also like, we're not putting our games on PS Plus day and date. So there you have one one company that's saying $70 games always and forever first party launch day and date on PS5 and then maybe get a, a a later date on PC a year or two later or if it's multiplayer everyone gets it at the same time you have Nintendo being like we do what we want we don't care about any of you good luck out there have fun and then you have Xbox being like what are we even anymore like are you <laughs> do you have a screen sure um, you can play Pentiment there. And yeah, so like, yeah. yeah, it's it it doesn't make a ton of sense, but I understand I'm not gonna call it desperation, but they need to do something to to make money. And like the whole conversation about the Activision Blizzard acquisition was, hey, we're gonna put the we're gonna keep putting those games on PS5. That was the whole thing, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like they had a 
they, they had to send emails to, to Herman Holston, whatever. And, you know, everybody was like, are you good? Are we cool? Can we do this? Like Call of Duty was like still going to come out. They had to make that deal in court and promise everybody and pinky swear the judge and all that. Shit. It's, just, it's a stupid business move to be like, okay, we're going to buy the most popular video game franchise in the world and then uh, make, make, make a decision that makes it sell like half as many copies, two thirds as many, you know, a third as many yeah. copies. Like it doesn't, that doesn't, doesn't make any sense you know like don't don't screw with that and like it's also like this is the thing that microsoft has demonstrated you know since they they scooped up mojang a million years ago like minecraft is still on everything it sells more on the switch than it does anywhere else mm -hmm. like um travis do you have any strong feelings about this i feel like you're pretty oh yes. platform agnostic about this about things yeah i'm extremely platform agnostic i i've said many times that i hate all of the platforms equally um, but i love <laughs> the games that they they have i just every every platform annoys me um, but i am actually somebody who plays mostly on xbox uh because a lot of my friends tend to play and i end up reviewing a lot of multiplayer games and xbox has a lot of those um and as, as somebody who plays a lot of xbox a, I, I kind of saw this coming, and B, I actually think it's a really good thing for Xbox players. Um, and I, I think the people that are upset about it are probably short-sighted, or maybe they just haven't been in the loop too much. Um, but th this does a few things for Xbox. One, it lets more people play their games, and that's always a good thing for you, not just because you're making money, but because you're now saying to PlayStation people, hey, look, here's an Xbox game. And you're going to play it. And now you're going to maybe start having positive thoughts about Xbox and its brand. And you're going to see its logo on PlayStation. Um, and they, they also still have a value proposition, which is, yeah, the games are on PlayStation and they're on PC, but they're $70 there. And on Xbox, they're on Game Pass. Yeah. And that is a very big uh, thing to say, hey, here's all these great games you're playing on your PlayStation. And if you bought a $200 Series S, you could play them on Xbox for a subscription service. That is a major selling point to a lot of people. Um, and the only way that PlayStation people figure out what they're missing out on is if they have a chance to play some of those games uh, for $70. Um, and so I actually think the, the Xbox console is really not in danger here because Xbox will always need, at least as far as we can tell today, it will need a place to sell Game Pass. And mm -hmm. if, you, if you have a subscription service, you don't remove the one platform where you can control that, right? Like you, you maybe would sell it on a TV as well and people can get it on PC, but... Uh, Xbox is the the plat it's basically your your Game Pass box at a certain point. It's the and, best uh, place to play it. Like yeah, you, exactly. you can play it on PC. You got to mess with your PC for that. You got to figure out your settings and all that. And then you could play yeah. it on like a you know X Cloud streaming thing. But that's not ideal. And like maybe your TV has it built in, and that's feels like a completely like Wild West scenario. But like going to the store, you know, paying three three to five hundred bucks to get to get a little box that you bring home and plug in your TV and it plays the games. That's like straightforward. That's cut and dry. That's you know. That is the appeal of console gaming in a nutshell, which, you know, going back to the, the conversation about like, you know, people getting mad at Spider-Man coming to PC. I feel like PC is such a is such a completely different beast from console that it, there's less of an issue. Like, no, people don't get as mad when things are on PC. Yeah, because it's like, it's well, a, these it's almost a different figure, market. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's like, a different is it even going to work on that particular person's PC? Who knows? Yeah. They might have to mess with it. Right. Yeah. Uh, the, the the other the other um, arguments I think for this are that Xbox gets to do what they've been doing, which is kind of posture as the good guys on this issue in terms of like, hey, we want our games to be everywhere. I think that does a good for your PR and this argument that you're that you're on the side of the player. And I think gatekeeping all of your games and trying to replicate PlayStation's walled garden, which historically hasn't worked for them, it would be a bad move. Um, and if, if you're losing the game, which Xbox is by all accounts in last place in the console space, then you change the game to something yeah. that you have a better chance of winning. And I think that's what they're doing here. I think it's smart. Um, the other uh, argument for this is that 
Um, Xbox makes a lot of online games and a lot of live service games. And we're starting to learn that those games die off pretty quickly if you don't make them available to everyone. And Xbox has actually been the victims of live service games not working out probably because they have the smallest player base, right? And uh, that makes it hard to make a live... Live service games are already really hard to keep alive long-term. And so if you're trying to do it on one platform, even Sony has realized that that is a problem, which is why Destiny, the new game that they own, is staying on all platforms because it's really hard to manage those games. Um, So I think there's a lot of reasons to do this. I suspect that it will be more than just the two games that were leaked. Um, I think it, I think this is probably going to be a larger strategy, and I don't think it changes the value proposition for Xbox players of like, hey, yeah, it's on PlayStation, uh, and you can play more games on PlayStation if all of the Xbox games are also on PlayStation, but right. you don't you don't have to pay the full price for them on Xbox, and they're optimized for our platform and yada yada. I think there's a lot of advantages to that. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I like to think um, you guys remember that episode of uh, Game of Thrones where Tyrion is trying to figure out who the leak is. And so he tells a bunch of his different colleagues that uh, he's going to marry somebody, someone like that. I feel like Xbox was testing to see how loyal their partners are and said, (laughs) Hey, we're going to, we're going to tell you that we're putting this game on PlayStation. And we're going to tell you that we're putting this game on PlayStation. And then they found out that all of their partners are traitors, you know, like (laughs) all of the answers leaked out at once instead of just one or two. No, it did. It it brought, it brought a lot of that out. It brought a lot of fanboyism out. I I mean, even on the PlayStation side, and I think if you're the biggest PlayStation fanboy in the, in the world, and you know, there's a couple of you out there listening to the show and like you refuse to play games anywhere else. You've never bought another console. You hate all the other ones. You hope they die or whatever. Um, it is in your best interest to have Xbox remain as a competitive brand because that is the best thing that can possibly happen to a consumer is having a bunch of people vying for your, uh, you know, your, your time, your real estate, your money, all of that. You want all of that to work in your favor because it puts a fire under people's asses and these companies will work harder to make you better. And you want that. I also think that there was a lot of like, and this is like, you know, we're all, you know, like if if you saw Usher play at the Super Bowl the other night and you recognize a bunch of the songs, like you, your body probably hurts in some spots when you wake up. We're you know we're getting older now. Um, the the reality here that I think a lot of us are like coping with um, and have been sort of coping with on a microcosmic level for a, over a decade now is that video games used to come in plastic boxes with paper rectangles that smelled good and then you took them out and you put them inside of another box that was underneath your TV and it played them perfectly and that was it. That was your relationship with video games. You had a shelf, you had this collection and like many other physical medias and many other ways in in which we receive and, and, and send content, that's changing and has continued to change. And I think there's a lot of like, you know, sort of reticence to people not wanting to let go of what the idea of of a video game and a console is and like we're going to get to a place where like it or not um physical media will be like this thing that's just done in small collector circles you have companies like limited run still doing awesome awesome stuff right um but the overwhelming amount of video games that get released now don't get physical editions they just don't um indie games come out every single day that don't get physical editions the games that do get physical editions you know um there's a there's a a a twitter account i think it's called like can can i run it or something like that um correct me if i'm wrong uh they document basically how much of the game is on the full disc at launch right and how much needs a huge patch and you know 
that's a sort of hit or miss situ situation. There's a lot that that ship perfectly, but there's also like, you know, you'll buy a console and it comes with like an empty Fortnite case or a code or something. Um, there's ver the, the game, the day one patches, day zero patches, day negative two patches. We get early game codes sometimes that have uh, 60 gigabyte patches before the game's even out. You know, like there was, I remember my, uh, Steam, our Steam Deck review done by Seth Macy, he was talking about how they were beaming him patches for that system three, four times a day for three, four weeks before the system even hit, hit you know, was was able uh, available to pre-order and stuff like that. Like it's, it's really crazy how much of a moving target that is now. And so I do think that there's like this unwillingness to let go of the reality that this is where games are moving. Now, is that entirely pro-consumer? I doubt it because we're going to get to a spot. If you look at, uh, what was it? Like Funimation just a week ago was just like, hey, sorry, your library is dead, right? Netflix, you wake up and they're like, oh, that movie we funded is gone. Disney Plus uh, paid for an entire season of a Willow TV show, you know? like with the, with the castings and everything. And like, it costs a million dollars and uh, they got, you know, all the cast back and then they just deleted it. It's just gone and it doesn't exist on a disc. Like that's a fear. Like there's, there's the stuff I doing, hate is, is yeah. things that only exist as subscriptions, you know, and this is, yeah. I, I, we haven't really seen this yet. I guess we currently are seeing this with foam stars. Foam stars is only for PS plus subscribers. It, it, you'll, you'll eventually be able to buy it, but like, and again, this is also a thing that requires it, it, it exists on the internet. Like it's a multiplayer exclusive. That always felt like a kind of nebulous thing when it's when it's exclusively an online multiplayer game. Do you if you have it by yourself, like, it, you know, if a tree falls in the forest, does it make a sound like if you have it by yourself, but you can mm -hmm. play it with anybody like does it is it a Al game? Alan Wake too cleaned up at the Game Awards last year, you know, industry darling, critical darling, uh, I, I assume sold well, has not gotten a physical edition yet. Like this I is one of those things where one. it's like, yeah, I it'll it'll get there, but like yeah. we're we're going on six months now, and then what a year? Like it's this this used to be one of those things where it was like, you know, you yeah. would walk into a store and you would buy a game and you would walk so, out, you'd go home and it would work. On that note, like I I you know I'm glad that Alan Wake <laughs> came out the way it did. Like that came out on multiple platforms. That's awesome. Pentiment is a phenomenal game that will benefit so much by being on other platforms. I hope that I hope that game comes to Switch because that is a very that is such a perfect Switch game because it's basically structured like a book. Like it's very much like it's it's a lot of talking, it's a lot of reading and it's it's it would be a, a wonderful thing to take with you on the go and like, you know, stop, you know, put a bookmark in it, turn your Switch off, put it in your in your backpack or whatever. Um sell it not sell a, it to PlayStation fans, Max. How many like how how depressed is the main character? he's miserable he it's it's yeah. the olden days everyone's got like rickets and they don't you know it's he's a you know he's a a, a manuscript illuminator and the rise of the gutenberg printing press it's a horrible time uh job security is nothing but it, it, no it's um like i love that game and it's also like it's it is not like this is not the toppling of like the xbox microsoft studios like first party library to have this like weird wonderful quaint little game get exposed to more people like the fact yeah. if this game goes out in the world and like more people can see it you know like that's that's good that's great like i remember you know it, this kind of reminds me of when there are phenomenal things like phenomenal shows or movies that are on streaming platforms that nobody wants to bother with you know mm -hmm. like I, I feel like uh was it R russian doll was that the one no that was ne that was the netflix one right that was, was the netflix was, show yeah what was the one on that was on peacock or po whatever poker poker face, face. yeah yeah which, with Natasha Leo, which I watched a bunch of that. And then my Peacock subscription got up and I was like, well, so much for that yeah. idea. But like, I don't know. I kind of miss the days where you could just like, you'd buy a season. Mm -hmm. Actually, I think I did that with Better Call Saul because I don't want to pay for like 
F word AMC plus. Like I didn't want to deal with another thing. So I was just like, screw it. I'll just buy the season and then I can own it. Yeah. And I'll only own episode season six, which is a That's weird funny. thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I only got AMC plus just to finish watching Better Call Saul. Um, mm-hmm. But Same. I feel like I feel like one thing that, you know, we, we've talked about like the, the side of like the Xbox fanboys, but, you know, and how they are, how they feel and like the different, you know, the different types of, you know, feelings and thoughts they might be having. But we didn't we haven't talked about like the PlayStation fanboys and how they feel sure. about this. Do, do 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 we think that we or I'm saying we, but I'm talking about like the I own all the consoles, but like the the hardcore PlayStation fanboys who don't want to touch anything Xbox related. Do we think they're happy that they, they might be getting Hi-Fi Rush or, or Pentiment or any of these games or it's or is it more so like just keep that over there? I If I wanted to experience that, I would You're- ask my mama to buy it for me next Christmas. I like that in your in your uh, scenario here, PlayStation fanboys are are children who only get <laughs> consoles for Christmas. No, um, <laughs> that was a thirty some year old man that just asked for that. <laughs> are you kidding me? In my scenario, his mom um, is really rich though, so she you know <laughs> that's true, and she uh, loves him. Yeah, he's a nepo baby. Um, the the thing I've seen a lot of uh like cool awesome bring it our way and there's a lot of smugness too right like because they're they're like oh uh the empire is toppling like this dynasty that's been around for so long um and i don't necessarily see that as the case either right like i think that there's been a lot of sort of like kind of doomsday sky is falling and that some of it's warranted some of it's based on you know wild speculation and hearsay but i i mean i i would hope that if these games come to playstation that PlayStation fans give them a shot. Like I, I was making fun of PlayStation fans earlier that they only buy third-person sad dad games, but PlayStation fans buy a ton of weird indies and JRPGs and like shmups and all sorts of nonsense. Like that is that is a PlayStation has been defined by like this really wide library of really awesome games, many of which PlayStation themselves have stopped making. Like I would I would argue that PlayStation's indie output has. Um, sort of decreased significantly since the PS4 or PS3 era. And so if like if they can get some weirder, quirkier, more interesting games their way, awesome. Um it, stuff like Halo and Gears of War, I I'll believe it when I see it. I will say that there will be like a a disconnect there when I like load up my PlayStation and I see yeah, a picture of Master Chief front and I, center and it's not cuz he's in a Paramount Plus show. I remember when uh I think it was Metal Gear I get was it Revengeance was the first one or was it the the HD collection whatever yeah. when, whenever they first put Metal Gear anything on Xbox it I felt it felt weird like it yeah. was weird to to hold that controller and play those games uh and then like I remember like I think it was Final Fantasy 13 came to Xbox or 360 and that was like the, one of the first times a Final Fantasy had was over there and it was just there was something that felt it felt it felt strange it felt unnatural like it wasn't i'm yeah. like this is a you you can't the x button's in the wrong place you can't play this game like that it doesn't work at all but i mean i was i've, I've been on i've been a nintendo fan my whole life before anything else and i've been on nintendo voice chat here at ign for for years now and like there it was surreal getting ori and cuphead and games like that to start showing up on my switch it felt weird you know to see like the microsoft game studios logos pop up at the beginning and stuff like that because those were those were platform exclusive console exclusive games that I associated with Xbox. And that's the thing. Like there's a lot of sort of tearing down the walls of what a console is, what owning a game is and who makes what and where it's supposed to go. And like, I think we're going to see that change a lot. And I think, and you know, uh, 
correct me if I'm wrong in a couple of years, but I think that this Helldiver situation is going to change. There's conversations happening at PlayStation right now, is my theory, about when and where games launch and and how. Like, I think that PlayStation is going to start looking at their first party stuff and going, hey, like this is selling tremendously well. Um, last I read was equally across PS5 and PC, right? So you have a 50-50 split between those two platforms. That's huge. Again, multiplayer game, you want as many players as possible playing it, stress testing it and all that. Um, that's, that's great for that game. I have a feeling that this is going to kind of twist their arm a little bit and they're going to get, may not be day and date for, for God of War 3 or whatever, or Spider-Man 4, but I do think like that window is going to start to con constrict a little bit. And I think they're going to get a little more, they're going to test the waters a little bit more about getting those days closer and closer. Because there's a, you can get a lot of momentum, you can get a lot of sales. Steam is a massive, massive platform to sell games. And like, why give up on that money? When you, when you read that uh, the last Spider-Man game cost $250 million, broke records, and there were talks about like how they didn't break even, there were leaks about potential layoffs in the studio. Like, if you can stop that from happening by getting money somewhere else, do it, mm -hmm. right? Do sell it. it. Get yeah. money. Don't don't fire anybody. No, I mean I think this this is the thing that like the the upside to to timed exclusives or for platform exclusives, and I, I this obviously works more with like third party stuff. But I think it's great when one of the big publishers scoops up something and obviously throws money at the people who are who are making this. And it's fu it's funny because this is a thing that was clearly happening with Bethesda prior to Xbox scooping them up. Like that's what happened with uh, Deathloop and with Ghostwire Tokyo. Those were both PS5 and PC day one. They were coming to Xbox later, but very clearly, I'm I'm guessing I'm guessing Bethesda um, took a check from Sony to be like, yeah, well, or maybe it went the other way. I don't I I don't know, but either way, like you know, it sucked for Microsoft players who wanted to get in on this stuff, but it also made it so the devs had to focus on one less platform. Like they were focusing on getting it running on these on these two platforms, and it also whatever money they changed hands over that, it it probably benefited the game in the long run. And like you know, I, you see this with. What like Dave the Diver is that, that that's on Switch that hit Switch first? Like I'm mm -hmm. I'm, uh, I'm imagining. Yeah, Steam I mean it was on PC. It's later. always on PC first. Mm -hmm. Usually it's on PC first. It's actually weird when we see a console in PC day one. Um, but like you know, PC is always sort of seen as like a you know kind of a test bed for for like a lot of indies, a lot of smaller games. But if there's a situation where you know a, a publisher can be like, "Hello, I have a dump truck full of money. I would like to play your hit new game." Like you know, Pal World, for instance. Pal World, you know, got to be a xbox exclusive day and date which is that's i'm sure that didn't really need much help but that i'm undoubtedly helped you know line their pockets and you know line their coffers or whatever and the only the only downside here is when you get something like um i don't know like towerfall which was a Ouya exclusive and you know when basically when somebody gets locked into a sinking ship like and it's just like well it's timed exclusivity stadia too oh my god yeah, yeah no stadia there were like a bunch of games that were really well received that we're you know they were stuck on stadia and i'm sure there was some you know god-awful draconian paperwork that made it so they couldn't like well stadia doesn't work can we just go on xbox they're like uh -uh, i gotta wait a little bit longer and i'm sure there's a bunch of stuff at some point we're gonna see a wealth of really cool MetaQuest games dumped on on psvr too we are seeing like a steady trickle but i'm sure there's a bunch on there that were made you know they were they were timed exclusive with with um you know with meta money and and that helped fund their creation but obviously, once they're funded and done, like it's probably pretty nice to be like, "Hey, there's a whole audience here 
with another headset that we'd love to you know expose this to you know it's it's mm-hmm. it's less work to port a game than it is to make one from the ground up still waiting and, for half-life alex ooh, man Asgard's <laughs> rest too. yeah for it. and that's i mean that's the like going back to sort of the the history of weird exclusives like brian what's the what's the it was like the capcom 5 the gamecube lineup <laughs> yeah and it was yeah Re- that was, Resident one Evil where, 4 was uh, one of those yeah and the the director of the game was like if this goes to any other platforms i'll cut off my head and he has cut <laughs> off his head 70 times since then like, he's immortal yeah they put yeah. it they put it on iphone like it's, it's yeah yeah i mean in, in that sense like the fact that like you know he went and founded tango gameworks which is the, <laughs> the you know studio that made hi-fi rush and i feel like there's a kind of weird there's a weird very squiggly line between all these things where had bethesda not scooped up i, I guess they founded tango gameworks to make evil within or whatever they, that was like they were always that was always under that umbrella i could absolutely see hi-fi rush being a third-party thing that very slowly went to other platforms like that doesn't seem like that doesn't seem like an xbox first party studio if you know what i mean like that doesn't seem like you look at hi-fi rush and obviously it was a it was a shadow drop thing on an xbox direct this is the only place you can play it um you know aside from pc or whatever but like it completely fits to play a game like that on playstation or on switch like it just seems it does it seems organic it seems natural and it's i don't know like i i, I want to see more games get you know get played like that's the goal is for people to play games that's the fun yeah. part mm-hmm. For, I feel like bickering back and forth about them being, you know, kept in their little walled gardens is like it's it's gross and it's crappy and it's completely antithetical to both the people who make the games, the people who sell the games, and the people who play the games. Like to be yeah. like, mm, it's, yeah, it's it's dumb. This isn't a football team. It's not the 49ers versus you know Kansas City Chiefs. You know what I mean? Like it's you can play, you can own both consoles and you can enjoy the games that come out on either or. So to be upset that a game is being ported over to another console is ridiculous to me. I never understood, you know, that that space on X or the Twitter space where people are arguing about that type of stuff. It it always just boggled my mind when people, you know, would like either call any of us like because we're talking about a game, you know, in very positively on this podcast, like, oh, you're a Sony pony boy or, or mm-hmm. IGN is a Sony. They're being funded by Sony just because we're talking about a game positively. That's I don't know. It's just ridiculous to me. Like it, there there shouldn't be any sort of like sides where it's like one against the other let's games are made to be to have fun let's just have fun okay so i want to try something before we actually talk about some of the fun games we've been playing uh if the if the roles were reversed here like if the the you know the xbox situation was happening with sony uh and there was rumblings about sony first party stuff winding up on xbox or or nintendo um what games what games would we share like what are the ones that make sense to go elsewhere like what is you know, there's some that have, you know, we've been seeing stuff, you know, go over to go over to PC or whatever. But I, I think it is kind of fun to think about this because there's a level of like, there's a level of like discomfort where you're like, that doesn't feel right. That's a PlayStation game that shouldn't go over there. But I, I want to kind of see like if we had to, if we had to share or some of our toys, which ones would we share? Uh, I mean, I, I want to see The Last of Us Part Two running on Switch for utterly selfish reasons, <laughs> just because I feel like it wouldn't even render Joel's beard properly. Like it was, what was the, uh, so you want to Mortal Kombat? Or whatever oh, yeah it was yeah. Mortal combat yeah one yeah <laughs> with um the like the johnny cage cutscene where he takes off his glasses and he's just like his eyes get all bugged out <laughs> he has a wonky eye yeah okay that so that's that's me. one I mean, that's one reason to want to share i was yeah okay well spider-man yeah, right spider-man like, spider-man yeah, I, I was gonna i was gonna yeah. say spider-man miles morales it's it's a short and sweet game just, just mm-hmm. to like let let that audience experience like what these types of games can be um potentially maybe it'll it'll you know 
but I, I, I guess like what what would be what what will incentivize them to want to purchase a I guess a PS Five I guess is because like we don't have something similar to Game Pass really um, with all the benefits that Game Pass uh, provides. You're, th- you're overthinking um, it. I'm just thinking like if we had to share these games, we don't need to go. Okay, the well then side yeah, Ma- Miles. Okay, you're okay. I'm sorry. I was I was in the mind of a businessman. No, it's okay. Uh, we just, and we I'm, just and I'm not like... the one wearing the suit. That's yeah. Travis. Be in the um, mind of a Spider Man <laughs> of a Spider Man. Yeah, I think that that'd be the perfect game, right? Like it's. It's a nice short uh, introduction to the Spider-Man universe. Um, I think it, mm-hmm. I think it's fitting. That's an interesting for... way to approach it. To sort of be like, you get you get one of them. You get like a little mm-hmm. tease. You don't get all of them, but you get one. And then yeah. if you want the rest, you got to come over to the you got to go to the dealer's house or whatever. Uh, no, like I, mm-hmm. Spider-Man to me was like this. It, I actually kind of hate the weird exclusivity situation that Sony has with Spider-Man because, like, mm. in the same way that you know they've got this, like you know, Spider-Man is it's it is as good as it is because it is specifically taking advantage of the playstation which is like that is one of the reasons it is so it is so cool uh, and so solid um but also like spider-man's like a spider-man belongs to everybody you know like spider household name yeah spider-man got his start because it's a, a comic book which is like the most accessible media possible like it's it is a it costs two dollars you don't need to have a specific piece of hardware to read it you don't even need to be able to read it you just look at the pictures and like for that to go you know from like how to enjoy spider-man from that to like you need to buy one specific 500 hundred dollar machine and like you know, obviously that's video games in general, but like there was a stretch there and, you, you know, in, in defense of Sony, these weren't good Spider-Man games, but there was a stretch there mm-hmm. where Spider-Man was multi-platform when Activision had the, had the license. Yeah. Uh, I just feel like this is a character that, you know, is so beloved all over the place. It would be nice if everyone got to, you know, play these wonderful games, but there are also, yeah. you know, there's strong arguments for it to not be on every platform. No, obviously, you know, like they're they're helping to fund it and stuff like that. And they own the character. So it, it makes sense. They had the same font during the PS3. But like it's a, it's like saying, you know, Spider-Man No Way Home is exclusive to AMC Regal Cinemas or something like it doesn't make a ton of sense. These are like you said, this is, this is a character that belongs to everybody. It would be cool if it could go everywhere. I understand why it doesn't. You know, Spider-Man hat off, businessman hat on. Like, I get it. I totally get it. But yeah, this this is the game that like the most people would appreciate this is this is the you know it's i'm not gonna i can we call it a casual game like it's you know there's there's hardcore arcade action platinum trophy elements to it but like also you can go in this game and hold r1 and just swing forever and then hit mash the buttons and beat people up like this is this is a game that kids can love that adults can love that it would be awesome if you could play it everywhere right i understand why it won't happen Sony's not really interested in doing that. Makes sense. They'll put it on PC. But yeah, it'd be cool to see it everywhere, especially Switch. Because look how, I oh, mean, yeah. how bad would this city look? <laughs> it would look like Lego City Undercover. It would be amazing. <laughs> Spider-Man wouldn't even have a mask. He would just look like a mannequin. It would be incredible. <laughs> I like your reasoning there. Uh, Travis, what about you? Is there any, is, if we have to take anything from the PlayStation stables and farm it out? Yeah, well, first, I, I think... Um... You know, for these sorts of games that are single player and they'll probably keep their walled garden up. So I don't think they'll do that. But I think there are some games that they're going to have to do it if their live service ambitions still hold true with all those live service games they want to make. I don't think you can really afford to skip over all the other platforms, especially PC Xboxes um, in a much smaller position. So I don't think their positions are equal. Like, I don't think PlayStation has the same incentive to go multi-platform because 
they have the one of the larger um, no they don't they're, they're, installment no. bases yeah, yeah they're it, that's actually why it's there. There's they do such a better job at acquiring third party exclusivity is because uh, you don't have to pay somebody all that much to skip Xbox because of their low user base. But if Xbox tries to do the same thing with PlayStation, it becomes exorbitantly expensive. Yep. Um, so I don't think they will do it. But if they if they uh, uh, I don't think they'll do it for single player. But if they had to do one, I would probably pick Returnal. Um, and my reason for that is because a I like that game and wouldn't mind playing it again. But also um, the PlayStation version has that weird thing where the triggers do two things at half and full presses. And I would really love to make that go away on the Xbox <laughs> controller. So, um, yeah, that would be one where just for my, uh, controlling so preferences, you want, you oh, man, want that to has like my favorite use of the dual sense. That would, yeah, that would, yeah, I like that. That's, that's the reason you want to like, I'd love to get some PS five games on Xbox because I hate those haptics. Just make them. <laughs> yeah. make no, them it's stop. the, uh, it, it's the, you know, the, they, they, like if you do a half press, it, it, uh, shoots the gun and if you do a full press it, it shoots like a bomb and i killed myself with a bomb so many times because during like really difficult parts of that game you know you're you kind of don't have the i'm, I'm gripping my controller hard and doing full presses on accident and so uh yeah selfishly i would just uh i would like it on the xbox so controller so that i don't you, have to you would like that. playstation games to go to other platforms so they have less features is that what you're saying you want less less <laughs> yeah, <haptics>? exactly <laughs> That's right. Yeah, audio is too spatial. To... Make it make it yeah. mono. <laughs> yeah. The other the other thing of the controller uh, talking to you sometimes always freaks me out. You know, and it's like yeah, take that away too. That's that's fair. That's fair. Uh, <laughs> that's a good segue right there. Now, speaking of uh, you know PlayStation exclusive games where you can blow yourself up with bombs a whole bunch, Helldivers Two is out right now. Um, a few of us have been playing it. A few of us are getting getting our feet wet. Uh, Travis, I think you have been uh, really just really getting in the out there uh what's your what's your take on this game this episode of podcast beyond is brought to you by nordvpn a great way to protect yourself online while also improving your overall experience while enjoying cyberspace are you tired of streaming shows movies or sporting events being unavailable in your region due to draconian restrictions that are based on completely arbitrary geographical boundaries in physical meat space well switch your virtual location to a place where that's no longer an issue the same goes for shopping. You can get the best possible deal on subscriptions, flights, hotels, and other goods and services like that from websites that like to play favorites with certain territories and currencies. Meanwhile, encrypted traffic protects your data from hackers, viruses, malware, phishing sites, and other harmful hitchhikers of the information superhighway. Though really, it's more of an information autobahn because there is no speed limit with NordVPN. It is the fastest VPN in the world, so there won't be any buffering or lagging, and it'll stop your ISP from throttling your bandwidth. Isn't that nice? One NordVPN account can be used across six devices, which is great. My wife has been using our account to watch all sorts of awful British reality TV shows that aren't available here, like Argument Island or Half Naked Idiots Fall in Love, and everyone's favorite, The Worst People Just Got Married, Let's Hear Them Talk About It. Shows that are so bad, they're blocked in our part of the world for our own good, but luckily, NordVPN allows her to trick the internet into thinking she's in the UK, so she and her awful friends can shriek and howl and cackle at the TV while I'm trying to relax. I've been using my VPN too. You know what I've been using it for? None of your business. Yep, that's right. And thanks to NordVPN, my data is safely encrypted, all bundled up in a weighted security blanket of incomprehensibly complex math problems, and nobody can tell what it's doing under there. Data, you do your thing. I'll leave you alone. One month of NordVPN coverage costs less than a cup of coffee. Coffee can't protect you from cyber criminals unless you throw it at them or pour it on their computers, and you'll probably get in trouble for doing that. So get NordVPN instead. 
To get the best possible discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash pobeyond. That link will also give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Again, that is nordvpn.com slash pobeyond. And now, back to the show. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, so I, I've gotten to see this game a, a couple times. Uh, I played it last month uh, before it was out at the uh, the IG, or the um, Sony Studio, uh, which was which was a lot of fun. So I've seen some of kind of the end game play where all the stratagems are unlocked and you're playing on the highest difficulty, difficulty nine, which is insane. Uh, and then obviously now that the game's out, I've seen uh, some of the earlier game stuff, um, and it's just a ton of fun, man. It's it's one of those games that just is unabashedly a video game. It doesn't really try with story it's just fun hopping in with your friends and accidentally killing each other and nobody's mad everybody's laughing and, and it's and it's uh it's a lot of fun i i love the gadgets um i love the starship troopers vibe and the the satirical uh super earth setting um and and honestly the the transition from top down to third person is done so well uh i sometimes i'm playing this game and i forget that Helldivers one wasn't like this you know it's just like this is kind of all i know now um and, and it's it's really good um it's also super challenging I, i'm sure nobody here has gotten to uh, uh try the difficulty level nine just yet but uh somebody who tried that uh and and just got absolutely blown apart uh in the preview um, this game can legit get challenging too so i'm i'm really excited for people to get into uh higher tiers and start taking on some of that because uh I, I assume by that point it will no longer be funny if your friend accidentally kills you. It'll be probably yeah. a lot sweatier and intense. And I, I kind of want to see what uh, how the community reacts to that level of play because right now I, I feel like it's uh, all fun and games since we're we're killing these squishy bugs. But when you start seeing uh, 900 Terminator robots with chainsaw arms rushing at you, it's going to be a, a, a pretty different game, I think. But yeah, um, yeah the, it's a lot the, of fun. Th this is a game that definitely was meant to be played with friends or, or randos online. Cause you know, I, I jumped into this over the weekend just to give it a shot. And yeah, I was playing solo. You know, I was playing mm -hmm. at odd hours at, at, in, in the, in the morning. And, and I, I was, I was overwhelmed with just like the hordes that were coming at me. And I was, just, I was like, is this how, is this how this game's supposed to be? You know, I, cause I mean, like I'm, I'm new to the hell divers uh, universe. I've never played. Uh, I didn't play the, the first one, so I wasn't too familiar with it, but I was getting myself into but like, you know, like, like you said, Travis, I feel like like playing this alone solo, it was fun. But again, just very challenging because I have to yeah. keep running around and dodging the hordes as they're coming at me because I have no backup. Um, but I feel like playing this with friends, this would, it, it'll just heighten it even more. And you, you said you were playing. Were you playing with like uh, who are you playing with? You playing with the kind of funny people? 
Yeah, so at the, the preview event, it was Greg Miller and Andy and the kind of yeah. funny team. Uh, but I've been playing with randoms and some of the people I know. Uh, on since it's got crossplay, thankfully, I can you know reach into PC and and PlayStation friends. Mm -hmm. um, oh, this is my footage here. Actually, that's me getting killed on level nine difficulty. Uh, in case you're wondering <laughs> that's what just that a looks blur like, of lasers. Uh, Holy yeah, it is very brutal. Um, <laughs> But yeah, uh, I, I would say this is 100% a game you should play in multiplayer. Uh, it, it really feel I, I've also played single player as well, um, not intentionally, but because the uh, matchmaking has kind of been busted in these early uh, launch days, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. uh, although that seemed like it maybe got fixed last night. We got a patch um, and I haven't had issues since. Um, but yeah, the, uh, the, the thing about this game is the idea is what if you were an extra in an action movie, right? You know, in an action movie where the hero's running through and killing like 100 aliens and then in the background you see like one guy getting killed by like the smallest bug out there and you're like, yeah. what the heck? The goal is you and your friends are those extras. And so you're intentionally really squishy. You're overwhelmed by lots of enemies. You die uh, uh, really easily and, and that you're, you know, outnumbered and outmatched. And that's kind of the fun in it is can you survive and kind of fumble your way through and uh when you when you get killed you canonically die and then somebody else just comes in to fill your role and so that uh that kind of like you know you're just meat to be grinded by this war machine and you know this fascist I mean, this is this is a this is an extremely yeah. extremely faithful starship troopers game with everything 100%. but the license like and yeah, i feel like exactly. there's there's you know there's a long history of, of video games taking an idea from an existing piece of, of media and like you know not not pay you know it's just changing their homework enough so they don't get in trouble or whatever but like this is such a like a clear labor of love to the um you know the paul verhoeven movie not the heinlein Absolutely. book like the, the 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 silliness of the of the movie and it's it's just, the squishiness of the bugs is like spot on i don't i don't really remember the first game having that much of a i feel like feeling like that much of an homage like obviously it has similar themes like you're you know you are literal starship troopers and you're gonna go fight bugs and all that this one feels like they're really leaning into that really heavily and it it is completely inoffensive like it's charming it's they do such a good job of it and it really just it, like you're talking about sort of you know there being there there's a there's a a deep ocean of of difficulty there like if you want like a real challenge it's there but it is such a fun game to just jump into with some friends and just like get your ass kicked and laugh it off like it's just really it's very easy to pick up very easy to figure out uh the tutorial is extremely funny. I've I yeah. just kind of jumped in and played with some like, you know, random person online uh for a second and I was like I don't know what wasn't grabbing me about this prior to launch based on what we'd, you know, seen. I think it looked I think it looked a little I don't know, generic is the wrong word. It looked it looked, you know, like a it looked like a video game, which it is, which is fine. Um Yeah. Actually getting my hands on it, there's something that is so much when you're playing it, it is so much less serious than it looks, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it looks like Gears of War, but plays by Earth Defense Force, right? Ex there it um, is. Nailed it. I like yeah. that. Yeah. Spot on. Yeah. 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 And I and I I love Earth Defense Force. I'm one of those guys. I reviewed that back in the day. And even with all the terrible performance and voice acting, I was like, this game's great. Like, you know, this game is awesome. Uh, and so this this just really reminds me of that with a higher budget and more polish. Um, you do lose some of the jank, unfortunately, but uh I think it just works really well. My my one concern with this game, and I guess we'll see if this materializes, is that you know after playing it a couple hours, uh, once you've played kind of the high end content and you've redone it, my my uh my concern is that as a live service game or as an ongoing multiplayer game, that it's it's not going to have a ton of runway. 
Um, and that's just because right now there's only two uh, enemy, en enemy factions. Um, there's, you know, a, a couple weapons to grind for and that sort of thing. But once you've played a couple objectives uh, multiple times, you sort of have seen all that there is. And then it's just about kind of grinding it until you, you get through the season passes and whatnot. Um, and in interviewing the devs, their live service answer for me was basically like, uh, we have some kind of outlines in the work, but we're kind of going to wait for the community feedback and build from there. Uh, which is a, a great answer from a community perspective, but historically, as a guy who covers a lot of live service games, it's not a great answer for a live service game uh, perspective. Just because, you know, the ones that we've seen succeed have had to have multiple seasons mapped out and already worked on before the game comes out, and it doesn't seem like we have that here. So I'm a little worried that you know people will get burned out, uh, and and that we won't get uh, new content for quite some time. But I could be wrong. The uh, Helldivers 1 had three factions uh, in it, and I, th I think we're probably going to get one of those. I, I, I don't know how long that would take, but that would be my guess. Um, and, you know, maybe maybe they've got more surprises waiting for us. But for now, I'm really loving the community's reaction, and I'm having a ton of fun playing it. Uh, yeah, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm probably going to do so right after this call. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> yeah I, 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 I like um, One of my main questions, though, I want maybe y'all can answer this for me. How many franchises have made a successful transition from over the top to third person action uh i mean this thing you don't that's see as much question. anymore like zelda. The big one, i mean grand zelda. theft auto right zelda yeah, gta, GTA fallout and look uh, how long that's ones. been around you know so i mean i i have a lot I'm, I'm just saying that because like i have a lot of faith in just like the hell divers franchise because like i mean like honestly this is my first introduction to it and mm -hmm. uh oh zelda is another one yeah like like you all yeah. said like, I calling, feel like... it a, calling it a franchise is generous you know it's like their second game in, like <laughs> in i mean nine just, years i think i ha i have a lot of faith in them that's all i'm saying i mean look look how long we've been playing uh gta online i mean give me a break you know mm -hmm. yeah. yeah no i mean the the idea of like a like a, a bigger budget earth defense force is awesome like it's really cool and it was also just like you know i'm i'm really excited to start playing this game i have it installed and ready to go as like a you know a a big schlocky sci-fi fan that loves dumb like this in movies like the idea of this becoming a really popular franchise for years to come is amazing that rules like this is the kind of stuff that attracted me to video games to begin with right like you would go in an arcade and there would just be like some dumb game called like bug zone and like you know there'd be like uh you know plastic guns that you could shoot all the bad guys with and stuff like that like i i love just like video like travis like you said video game ass video games just like a yeah. you know unabashedly like this is a, this is a video game it's not really about a you know a big a, a big story it's not really about like bringing in triple a voice actors and, and you know hollywood scripts and all this stuff like that like sometimes like you just have a rough week and you want to sit down and you want to blow up some huge disgusting creatures and that's great I encourage the hell out of that. This is not like, you know, a big AAA franchise, but like if if this turns into a thing that like we get, you know, more content for this and more more sequels and stuff like that for years to come, that rules. I love that so much. I guess I'm just skeptical of like the arcade thing is a perfect comparison. Like it is a very arcadey game. Like the first one was very, you know, it felt like butting up with your friends and just, you know, crowding around in like a arcade cabinet, um even mm -hmm. if you were playing online or whatever. And this one uh yeah, I don't know. Like I, I don't really, I don't want the live service thing. Like, I want to have a good time with this. I want to sink a bunch of hours into it and, you know, have a good arcade, arcadey experience. But like, I'm, I wasn't even thinking about the sort of long tail of it. And I, I'm, you know, it's not my job to figure out what they're going to put in there, but I am, I am skeptical of them managing to sort of, you know, meet those, meet those demands. Like, I think they were like coming soon, yeah. the mech. And I'm like, 
don't make me wait for a mech but also <laughs> i'll wait around for a mech that's a yeah you love gundam come on yeah 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 oh, it's well, gonna I mean, be a sick to, mech you, you, you have to do something to keep it alive. And I think, you know, looking at the menus, that's another uh, kind of criticism I've got of this this game is the the menu system and all the different, se- there's like two separate season passes you're progressing through and stuff like that, I think is a little convoluted. And so I think they just have some work to do on the seasonal model, but I mean, they've got a great foundation to work from and people are having fun. Uh, shout, shout out to the, um, the absurd, intentionally obtuse mini games you have to play anytime you interact with a console terminal in yeah. this game. You know, where you have to like enter uh, up, down, left, right. A cheat, cheat code, essentially. And, yeah. Yeah. You have to solve little mini puzzles and they, they just make it intentionally obtuse. Some of them have like eight steps, you know, where you have to go through <laughs> like all these little mini games just to uh, make one thing happen. And that's a, that's know, a thing just... for the first one that I completely forgot about that I like immediately. Yeah, like, oh, this is I great. It's so, it's so, yeah. like, it's so dumb too. Like, I just yeah. love that it. it doesn't pretend to be like, you know, it doesn't try to be some like sci fi looking mini game. It's like, not nah, do a code. Do a button code. Yeah, yeah. Do a code, and then they uh, the 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 great thing about being in the third person perspective versus top down is now you get to see them just like haphazardly jamming their fingers like Neanderthals into the terminal. <laughs> yeah. uh, I love that animation so much; it makes me laugh every time. It's slapstick too. Like I the first yeah. the first time I died was from uh, like I stepped on a like a spore pod and it just like catapulted <laughs> me to the side and I was like it's like you died because of impact or whatever and I was like what is this? I want to get killed yeah. by bugs. Like, what is this? <laughs> what is this yeah. Uh, My favorite death so far is I saw a teammate, uh, the, the, sh- the, uh, ship that's supposed to evacuate, evacuate landed right on top of him. Uh, he died that, oh, that's that glorious death. I mean, the things that can kill you in this game are very funny. That's, that's the, the charm of it. It's just, it's, it is as brutally like disrespectful of human life as the starship troopers is like, it's, but you're like, this is funny. This is, this is, we're messed up people. We're horrible, but it's pretty cool. when the bugs eat the guy or whatever. And this rip them in half. It's, you know, gets killed by a spaceship door opening or whatever. Uh, now, Travis, real quick, I want to talk, touch on uh, Sea of Thieves, a game that we've been. Skull uh, and Bones? Skull, Skull and Bones, Sea of Thieves. <laughs> what a, I can talk about Sea what of a, Thieves what a too, slip. if you want. Um, coming soon to PlayStation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hottest new topical. Xbox game coming. No, no. Um, no. <laughs> Yeah. I can, Max, can I've, I've been why... saying Sea of Thieves instead of Skull and Bones for what 14 years now? How long is that game? <laughs> like as long as yeah. both of those games have been known quantities in some capacity, I've been they were announced them. around the same time, if I'm not mistaken, and Skull and Bones is only just getting around to coming out now, which is kind of yeah. hilarious. In the time that Sea of Thieves took to go from like, oh, people don't like this, it's, they, they, it's not gonna and then they built a whole community and it was like the most the most re- the game that redeemed itself the most of the game awards, and then they're like, anyway, we're working on our next project now. And Skull and Bones is like, we're in doing open beta. We're still doing it's it. Finally too. out. Yeah. Uh, so how is it? Uh, yeah. So uh, first, I, I think I, you got to mention the history here, as you guys talked about, like when this game was first revealed, it was a 5v5 multiplayer only, you know, like basically for honor with boats. It was kind of that yep. same type of game. Uh, and then we fe- we heard that it was completely different. It was going to be open world and it was going to have a story and there was going to be land combat. And then we heard that that changed and it was going to be purely ship combat and an open world ship game. Um, and that is what they landed on. So I've now seen this game in like five different iterations. I previewed it a bunch of times. And even in the past couple months, they've made big, big changes to the game. Like, for example, in the uh, the first beta in the tutorial, you meet like this uh, pirate captain and he's like dying and he basically passes you the uh, baton and says, hey, go be a great pirate. And it kind of introduces you to the world. 
And uh, in the final version, they just made that guy fully dead when you meet him <laughs> for the first time. And they're just like, oh, you just take the map from his corpse and then you go off to go be a pirate legend. So they've really, really not been afraid to just like completely, you know, throw the the baby out with the bathwater and try over um and i is that I what that, that is bathwater all over this game yeah, oh yeah this is a it's a giant bath um but yeah the, so the let's talk about the final product which is you know i, I played 30 hours during the open beta uh, this past weekend which has uh pretty much all the content it was like surprisingly ungated there were certain things you couldn't do but you could get really far uncover the whole map do all most of the activities and um i, I spent a ton of time uh, in it and it it's actually a lot better than i thought it was going to be um i mean the story is pretty much a nothing burger it's basically hey go and, and be the best there ever was type of pirate journey um but uh the combat is awesome uh it's it's weirdly like an rpg it's got all these different classes you can see here on screen where you can build like into dps or tank or a support role where you're healing other ships by shooting cannons at them uh and you know, you're working with uh, other ships to take down larger fleets or uber powerful enemies or giant sea creatures. They've got some uh, sea creature boss battles in there um, that are really cool. And so they give you a ton of um, a ton of uh, stuff to do. And it is weirdly addicting. Like, you know, it's oh, if I could just craft this one cannon type, then I'll, my ship will be awesome. And then you find out, oh, well, to craft it, I've got to sail to this new area and I've got to uh, fight this new uh, faction of of uh, sailors that are are more powerful and uh, you know so you're you're constantly kind of uh, exploring and grinding and working on your build and finding new and interesting stuff to do and so I think it succeeds at the main thing it really has to succeed at which is the the ship combat has to be great it has to be complicated there has to be lots of different types of ships that you can build that do different interesting things um, and it does that really well of course the the question for anybody who's kind of got a big question mark on this game, which is probably most people given that it was announced 10 years ago, um, which is that, what does it not have, right? Uh, this is the captain who's dead, by the way, he's not alive in the current version. So you're getting a sneak preview at uh, <laughs> content that no longer exists. Um, <laughs> but there he is. Yeah. There, that's what he looks like now. When you oh, wow. Now. Um, so you walk in on him with and knives he, in his belly. Full, he's just, yeah, dead. he's just fully dead. And then in the current version and the, the version, that's how I feel about a lot of introductory cutscenes. Just, you know, just, just kill. Him. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think that might've been the feedback they received is too much story, bro. Get me in the cannons. Uh, so yeah, they, they, uh, they took that note, I guess. Um, but yeah, uh, the, the, the big question is what, what are the things that this game isn't right? And it's not really a game you play for story. Uh, here's another example of a change, by the way. They just deleted a character, which is a really weird choice in the final version. Um, they just replaced it with a different character. Um, but yeah, the uh, what is this game isn't? It's not a game with story. It's not a game where you do anything on land like Assassin's Creed Black Flag, which a lot of people compare it to since it was inspired by that game and at one point maybe even a spinoff to that game, according to uh, credible reporting. Um, and so there's just a lot of questions about that is do you want to play a game where you essentially are a boat and you float around and do stuff. Wow. This game is closer to Forza Horizon than it is to Assassin's Creed Black Flag. I mean, that it, is the it first is thing you've said about, I've heard about this game that makes me like actually. Yeah, same. Cur I yeah. put like 150 hours in that game. Yeah. So it it is basically, you know how they, they call it a, a car PG? The, uh, you're playing as a car and you're doing an RPG. Uh, I would call this a CRPG where instead of C it's S-E-A-R-P-G. Mm -hmm. uh, so 
Uh, it's basically that, right? There you go. There you go. Yeah, but see, that implies that you're gonna have like swashbuckling, which is not part of the game. So, yeah, I I really want I really want everybody to know that this is a game where it is just you are essentially controlling a boat at all times. The only time you're playing as a pirate is when you're in social spaces, um, walking around, talking to vendors, talking to NPCs. But you do not do any combat or really even any treasure hunting. There's like some areas where you can like dig with a shovel but it's not it's not sea of thieves it is more more akin to a forza horizon game where you're just going around the map and you're exploring and you're upgrading and finding new stuff and and of course fighting ships and the ship ship to ship combat is awesome so so the air the areas where you can dig um with a shovel like what are you digging for is it treasure or yeah, it's treasure and loot and items. It's usually gotcha. to complete a quest because a lot of quests are like, hey, travel to this faraway place and go find this thing. But it's not like you're going to an island where, you know, a skeleton might attack you and see a thieves. It's like you're going to a social space where there's just other NPCs standing around that you can talk to or trade with. And then near them, there'll be like a small patch of dirt. It's You're never, ever doing any exploration on foot, really, except for so- when you're in a town. Or a why? Why? Or like that's that. really odd. I under, I yeah. understand there being like social spaces, you know, do that whole kind of like you know Destiny hub type of thing. Yeah. But to have you like go dig like a little bit, just like a little shovel. Yeah, they or, they just barely and, dip their toe into it, and so I think the I think it's a it probably a remnant of an old idea that no longer is a part of the game because we know that at some point there was going to be more leg gameplay you know where you're walking around (laughs) doing stuff uh and uh that that got cut at some point uh but you can see remnants of it in the game and i will say you cannot you never you never are yeah literally the only time you're ever walking around is you're just going to a vendor to like craft something or have a cutscene conversation with somebody. How far into never... the water can you walk? Can you walk like to the shore? Can you get your ankles wet? <laughs> you can you can walk on the beach and go near your little boat and then click Y to go back to your boat. But like it's all so the weird. gameplay, ha- yeah, like all the gameplay happens on the ship. You are effectively controlling a ship at all times. Can you do stuff um, on the so, ship besides like bes- like do you can you go fishing? Like is there is there a sense of like uh so. Yes. Uh, so interestingly, like, for example, you need to gather materials, right? And so you got to hack down trees if you need like wood for your ship lumber or whatever. Um, when you do that, you'll see a little prompt while you're sailing by the shore and it'll say harvest that material. And then when you click it, it does a little mini game where you like have to time it and you, you're basically sawing it from the ship. But it's basically like the ship is holding out a saw on the side of its port and just, you know sawing the tree down basically you're doing it as i'm telling you you're doing everything as a boat it's weird brian and uh, i interviewed uh suda 51 the no more heroes guy a while ago yeah we, we acted asked him like pitch a batman game and i can't remember if this was before or after arkham knight but his pitch it was before yeah was it before he pitched a batman game where batman doesn't ever get out of the batmobile like he just does all his stuff while he's like just he just i don't know if he's you know yeah so he this is that game. It's this. It's this that, that with pirates. This is that game, but with pirates. It's the. It's what if you were just the boat part of the fantasy. Now I, I will say this: like it, as soon as you wrap your mind around what it what it is and what it isn't, which a lot of people aren't going to be able to get past that, and and I don't blame them because it's not the game some people want to play, which is fine. But once you get past that and you accept that it is just a CRPG, right? In the same way that Forza Horizon is a car PG, uh, that is a ton of fun to just play in and it also does some things that are are like types of pirate games we don't have which is it has a whole economy system where you're 
uh, building trade routes and you are managing a black market and you're taking over forts and then taking their supplies to different ports where it is worth more. And so it has kind of like this almost um, uh, like, I, I don't want to call it like a real time strategy, but like uh, kind of like a sieve game where like the trades and the economy matters and you're trying to like, it's like an economics type game. It has a, an economy to it. And so mm. it appeals to the exact type of player that doesn't probably want to, you know, it, it has almost no overlap with like the black flag crowd really, <laughs> except for the ship combat. And I think that's why people are so confused is what this was originally billed at and what the rumors have been. And the fact that you see your pirate walking around, people are like, Oh, that must mean it's going to have, you know, sword combat. Nope. Mm -hmm. Doesn't have any of that, man. It is literally just a game where you play as a boat. Wow. It's <laughs> yeah. yeah. What I, <laughs> I mean, wow. You just took the winds out of my sails. I mean, oh. I, yeah. I was, I was so, yeah. I was so excited for this, for this game just because like, I mean, the only pirate esque games I've played were uh, one piece odyssey, like the, the, the one piece games. Game. Uh, so I was, I was so excited to actually like live and breathe like the whole pirate universe, uh, like on the ship and, you know, off like searching for treasure. And the fact that that's not like a part of that's not an aspect of this game or a feature of this game. I don't know. I, I, I I'm no longer excited for this. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So if you were if you're if you really like the whole pirate fantasy, yeah, this is not going to scratch that scratch that itch. But if you like Forza Horizon and that sort of idea, but with pirate ships, you're probably going to love it because it's that's basically the, that. I, yeah. I mean, that made me care a little bit, but I'm also just <laughs> completely baffled that that's the comparison you make. Like that's. I it makes sense. It's sound. Uh yeah. But also, guess, man, what a yeah, what a like a bizarre journey it's been to this game yeah. actually being out. My my thing is like Forza Horizon is um it it's very silly at times, you know, like you could you could get the the mystery machine from Scooby Doo and like go off the biggest jump in the game and like there's Can I yeah, can I make my pirate ship say Pornhub on the side of it? <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, what's the customization like on the on these ships? Yeah, you can make it say pirate hub. It, it's pretty good, and that's actually one of the parts we uh, we haven't seen. Well, I say we because the game came out, I think, while we were on stream. Um, but oh. uh, so I need, to, I need to go and I need to go and play the full version right now. But we haven't seen the full customization. But everything about like if it if your question is is the part. Uh, relating it all to boats is it good the answer is yes like they laser focused on that so like cosmetics are great build crafting is great combat is great uh like the way that they control and the way that they fire and you can get mortars that like shoot up in the air and then drop from the sky so you like are moving a little reticle around the ocean and basically it's like uh calling in an airstrike and hell divers right um you can do a, a support build where you're shooting people with shotguns that heal them and uh, you can get a flamethrower on the front of your ship that just oh, shoots cool. like, and then later you can upgrade it so that it's like a blue demonic fire through a quest line that requires you to get like a demon head. And like all of the ship questions are like, yes, it's fun. It's silly. It's over the top. It's well thought out. It's great for uh co-op. It's just really the question of like everyone's expectations of this is not that at all. And that's yeah. the hardest, that's the and, hardest thing that they're going to have to overcome because and, I, I just don't think people understand what this game is. And Travis, uh, maybe, maybe you can answer this definitively. I think answers are online, but like as far as like raiding other ships, like boarding other ships and 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 fighting uh, other pirates on the other ships, you can't do that, can you? You yeah. So here's me with my flamethrower. Uh, by the way, the the I got to experience in the end game preview. Um, you uh, 
you can board other ships, but when you do it, it goes to a cutscene where your crew mm. members go off and then you just win the fight, right? So if you get <laughs> basically getting boarded is a lose state in the game. Like if you let yeah. somebody if you yeah, that's that's how ships get destroyed. And the, the other thing about this game that is kind of surprising is there is almost no PvP. It is a co-op game. It is a game where you you the only ships you fight are NPCs. What? There is there is Dead. one exception. There's one exception to that, which is there are certain activities where it's basically like, hey, there's this boat on the map that has a bunch of loot and everybody has to go and try killing it. And when you kill it, you get to take treasure from it. Um, while you're fighting that ship, nobody can attack each other. You could you could shoot cannons at them, but they don't do any damage to uh, fellow players at any point in the game. However, in that one activity, when whoever picks up the treasure suddenly becomes hostile like uh, other players can attack you and they can try to take that treasure and so it's kind of like a little mini game where every once in a while there's a really valuable ship on the map you have to go there and kill it presumably with other ships helping you but then whoever picks up that gold all of a sudden all hell breaks loose everybody's trying to kill that guy and take the treasure and so there's like one specific activity my guess is pvp will be added in some form or there will be like a separate mode for it but i think the reason it doesn't exist in the base game really at all is because it is a co-op game it's kind of like um you know it's a three-player you're you've got a crew and you've got build crafting and you're going and you're fighting the enemy together um it also is a live service game with seasons passes and content and they have their first year of content already mapped out i actually played through a quite a bit of season one uh during the uh, end game preview i did uh, last month and so uh like they're they're all they put a surprising amount of effort and planning into like how this game is going to survive and grow over time uh and so i think they're set up on that front it's really just a question of is this cool. game going to click are people going to get it yeah you i know? mean i'm glad it finally came no out idea. like i never want to like root against the game this doesn't i don't think it's really doing much for me but like i'm i'm you know I, like for honor was the same way where like this game came along and it was like super like totally doing its own thing with like a weird control scheme and i was like well that that seemed cool anyway and then they kept adding new like fighting men to it like they would just periodically be like great news everybody the musketeer is here or whatever or like it'd be like some guy with like a you know a, a new axe and like that community apparently was like completely like they just had a really good community around it like they were all yeah. they were really good at onboarding people um they i, I think that's much, what they're yeah. hoping i think that's what they're hoping for here i think they're hoping that like hey this game has a lot more depth and if you're willing to give it a shot which i think is why they made the beta open and they let people play as much as they want my guess would be that probably worked for some people i mean it certainly did on on for me right like i had played this game a lot before the open beta but seeing it all together uh and getting my chance to just like play as much as i wanted of it uh actually kind of sold me on it and made me more excited to play it and so it's it's really just a question of can you get over the fact that it's not at all the game you probably think it is yeah. and that's that's a hard uh, thing to overcome but once you once you accept it for what it is it, it, it is actually a lot of fun that's why so yeah. far anyway i haven't gotten to the end game we'll see my, now, my final question are is there any devil fruit in this game like any gamu gamu fruits that we can pick up so we can start stretching like luffy <laughs> yeah there are uh fruits that you can get you harvest them as a boat and uh, unfortunately i think that's where the uh where the um, One Piece references maybe end. Damn it! Yeah, sorry. Harvest are trying to do like the the pop culture, like in you know they put they'll, they'll do they'll do One Piece, but it's gonna be Netflix One Piece. They'll do <laughs> yeah. maybe Jack Sparrow or whatever. They'll do uh, yeah, maybe maybe they can they can put some pop. They can you know they got Godzilla and David yeah, I Diver. Just, like, I don't know not? how they can do crossovers because the crossover would have to be the ship because. 
no, you're not going to buy a skin for your character that you only see for five minutes at a time in between the main content of the game. You know what I mean? Because the ship is essentially the star of the show. And it actually shows when you're making your character because they only give you like eight models to look for on your character and you do not get to customize them. It's like, hey, if you want to be this shade of guy, this shade of girl, that's it. You're done. And then you get to buy clothes for your pirate so that you can look cool while you're walking around the NPC area or the social areas. But it's really just not the focus of the game at all. Huh. So if they wanted to incorporate like one piece, they would have to put, you know, his ship in the game. That would right. be probably yeah. how they would do the, the crossover. Um, yeah. Real quick, Brian, you've been you've been playing uh, like a dragon, infinite wealth. I've tried to sell yeah. you. I've been trying to sell you on, on Yakuza games for years and you mm -hmm. one of them finally clicked. What happened? <laughs> well, I I think I played around like 30 hours of Yakuza zero. I liked it a lot. I think I got distracted. Um, I'm going to say something controversial here. I don't think games should be that long. I think sh they should be shorter. I think these games are too long and that's the problem. Let's get that out of the way. Um, Infinite Wealth is awesome. It is just lovely. It is really, really fun. It's super endearing. I keep thinking of it uh, as sort of like a a big, like the way Travis described kind of like a big budget um, Earth Defense Force. This kind of feels like a big budget uh, or bigger budget No More Heroes for me. Like it's got nice. that really like, uh, you know, uh, we were talking about uh, Suda51 earlier. Love that dude. Love his games. Um, no More Heroes is, is like one of my favorite franchises, but it's it's always just been like really kind of like rough around the edges. You know, it's it's extremely low poly. It's glitchy. The cities are empty. And um, but it's full of heart, right? It's got a ton of charm. It's got great characters. It's violent. It's goofy. It's got lovely uh storytelling and then just tons of really silly mini games and mischief to get into and i'm just really loving my time with this game i i want to say i'm like 20 25 hours in so far and i'm just really enjoying running around hawaii and getting into trouble leveling up my characters grinding out and fighting fighting guys like the combat has this like really awesome sort of like paper mario feel to it where it's turn-based but it's got just enough arcadiness to it where you know there's time button presses and like team attacks and um you can also just like once you start leveling up you can just take on like groups of grunts and just pretty much auto kill them and that's really been fun to just sort of like watch my little meters go up run around town uh collect stuff get into fights with like mini bosses and stuff and there's just so much here. It's absurd. Like there are there are sub games in this game that would be whole games elsewhere. There's a an entire Animal Crossing game that's just like I got into it and was like this is way too deep and also a spot on parody of Animal Crossing. Like right down to like, you know, the a new day starts and they just play this like really cheesy like acoustic guitar riff that's like and you're like all right this bootleg ass animal crossing great. <laughs> um like it's just it's just great man like it's just i love the characters in this game i love the the art style the animation just it's just a really good vibe i'm like, so I just, happy i'm so yeah, happy I, makes I, me, I just i like i i don't know i'm always sort of like is this gonna maybe this will click i don't know are you finding yourself like confused at all like is, are you picking up the story just kind of rolling with it like what's i know I'm, that it, it's there's a lot of lore there's a lot to you, kind of you didn't play the original like a dragon right no 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 so i skipped that and i am vaguely aware of the yakuza franchise and i played like a 
you know, w- what is, I thought was a lot of zero, but that's like a third of that game apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's about it. And I like read a Wikipedia on like some of the character backstories and stuff like that. Just like a quick explainer. I had some people tweeting at me being like, is this a, like, I've never played this franchise. Should I start here? And I'm, I was, I was like, not even sure how to answer. Cause like, yes, like it's working for me. Maybe it'll work for you. Um, it's, it just immediately kind of clicked with me. And I don't know what it is because like, I, I, I dug the, the sort of like, you know, action beat him up river city ransom on steroids approach of of zero and the older ones but like this turn-based stuff is like really working for me because i think it's like i said it's just hands-on enough and just dynamic enough and just interesting enough that it's not like sitting around and waiting for things to happen like it moves quick and the battles are pretty chaotic and frenetic and you have like a lot of like even when it's not your turn like one of your dudes will like you know just pop an elbow out and just hit a dude and somebody else will punch you in the mouth. And um, all the characters have these really goofy attacks. Like there's this taxi driver that just does nonsense. Like he'll just like pull out a bucket and throw it on you and then or <laughs> wash wa- you wash a guy really well. And if he washes him super well, he gets hurt. Um, and if he's like allergic to washing, like he gets really hurt. Like it's just dumb, man. Like I just, I, I don't know. This is totally clicking for me right now. This feels like the exact like it's, you know, it's been, I, I live in, in the Bay Area in California. It's been like rainy and a little chilly here and there. And it's like, I, I, instead I'm, I'm running around Hawaii and I'm buying, uh, you know, weapons and, and snacks for my, for my team. We're going out to team dinners, getting the gang all drunk and, and we're going out, going out and fighting into the night. You know, everyone's in a good mood. Like, I love it. It's just like, I'm just having a really, really good time with this game. Um, if you're looking for like a, a very laid back vibe RPG right now that also has a great story, a ton of side content. If you're looking for like a, a you know, a, de- a desert island game uh, where you can actually swim, <laughs> unlike that game that Travis just talked about, <laughs> um, then I think this is it. Like, there's just, this is one of those games that like, if you gave this to me when I was like 14 and it was the only game I could play for the whole year because I didn't have any money, I would be enamored like i would just be playing this game nonstop because there's just so much here i can't even imagine like getting the platinum trophy in this game it probably takes like 200 hours like it just rules um i love this game i'm so glad i'm playing it uh and i will continue to enjoy this game and this franchise for years to come i can tell i am so happy to hear that um there have been a lot of stuff going on here at IGN. We are working on IGN FanFest 2024, which is kind of like our equivalent of like a virtual Comic-Con almost. Uh, it's it's super fun. we got a bunch of really cool like reveals and interviews and trailers and, you know, segments and featurettes and stuff lined up. And it all kicks off on February 19th. Uh, from the 19th to the 22nd, we've got um, sort of a bunch of stuff that's going to be rolling out on IGN. And then on February 23rd and 24th, we've got big old like live streams happening basically like we do at you know comic-con or e3 or gamescom or whatever like that uh and also we just announced today that ign live is happening this summer which is going to be a physical in-person event uh we yeah there's we'll have more details on that soon to come um but yeah thank you all for joining me for hanging out and thank you everybody in, uh who watched and listened at home uh we'll see you next week uh from all of us here at beyond 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 countdown initiated Stand by for takeoff. If extraction complete, Silicon One beginning ascent. Welcome. You've got the digital floor. Monsters lurk in the shadowy corners of the internet. 
our darkest fears peer back at us from the depths of the web. We can all... <coughs> hey, holy hey, Linda Blair. Are you all right? No. Can we maybe do this a different tone? Hey there, I'm Perry Carpenter. And I'm Mason Amadeus. On our podcast, Digital Folklore, we explore monsters, memes, and everything in between. Looking at our digital expressions through the lens of folklore, we break down the stories and communities we create online. And we try to make it a lot of fun. The show is presented in an audio drama style with a narrative and soundscape that's designed to draw you in. We weave insightful research and expert interviews with humor and storytelling. Come check it out. Search Digital Folklore wherever you get your podcasts.